0: hello everyone this is sonata allison and you're listening to episode 47 of the parallel podcast where we talk about sexuality as it should be hello everyone and welcome back to the parallel podcast um i hope you guys are having a great day a great week a great uh, hour you ate something good today, hopefully, or ate something today. If you didn't eat today, this is your reminder to eat something. Get get some water in your system as well. But um, I wanted to do this episode because, as you guys may remember, I did an episode about pornography. Um, it was the 12th episode, but I had two guys on that episode. And I think, it. you know, obviously it can be helpful for women, but I also wanted women to, you know, hear from another woman um more in depth about uh her experience and our experience of pornography addiction so um had stacia on to talk about it and yeah i hope you guys enjoy it learn something new and i hope it helps you overcome whatever addictions you guys may have as well all right let's get into it (laughs) all right hello stacia how are you doing today I am so good. Thank you so much for having me. Good to hear. And I'm hoping my Wi-Fi is better this time because last time when I talked to Mel, it was horrible and it oh. was a sad day. But, you know, the people got what they needed to hear. <laughs> the Lord works, That's right. you know, through it all. Um, We're going to go up so, yeah. and up and up today. Exactly. That's all. Nothing down. So what I ask the people <laughs> who come on the podcast for the first time is, what is one characteristic of God's, the Trinity's character, that has been most evident in your life? Mm. Um, I would say, and Will,
1: obviously, the whole topic of today was the addiction that I, I um, had his help in walking out of. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's his restoration. It's, or it's, it's just his redemptive love that you know you think – the whole the whole idea of unconditional love, you think of how you love someone and it's like, oh, if they do this, I couldn't love them. If they did that, I don't know. So just knowing that he loves us through literally a pornography addiction and then through it and on the other side of it.
0: Yeah. I love Jesus so much. <laughs> I'm telling you, bro, same. <laughs> He's so good. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, I was just thinking about this before we talked, like- we, t- we have humans take it f- so much for granted. Like we get to speak to the God of the universe. Like, who am I?
1: And he speaks back.
0: Like, right. he's not some
1: metal idol up on my shelf. He's a, a living God who speaks back to us. That's so cool.
0: <laughs> Honestly, it's wild. I don't deserve it, but I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Um, but yes, as you said, we will be talking about pornography addiction and I just kind of want to start out by asking you, like, what made you comfortable to even have this conversation?
1: Yeah, um, I think, um, obviously, from the first time that I told somebody back, you know, seven, eight years ago, to now, telling people mm-hmm. much, much different, you know, the first time is way different than, you know, now I'm at like the 100th time. Um but I think I'm a big believer in when you expose the darkness, when you reveal the secret, when you bring something out of hiding and, and put light on it, it really takes the power of it away. And I think with mm-hmm. pornography, there's so much shame. Um, but because I've put so much light on it, because I've talked about it so much, um, you know, I'm even people are like, "Oh, you're the porn pastor," or "You talk about you're the porn girl." I'm like, eh, That's "We don't need to way say porn to say it. girl." Um, <laughs> But I'm like, that's a porn girl. But am I embarrassed or filled with shame to talk about it anymore? No. And I think that's just because, one, the Lord has helped me walk through it and talk through it a bunch. But I, I've got to the point where there's so much light on it and there's so much prayer over it that it it isn't a, a shameful piece of me. It's something that I know can bring healing and freedom to others. Um, so he gave me this really bold, quirky personality. Um, Mm -hmm. so I'm like, you know what? If you've given me this outspoken, talkative personality, um, as well as I walked through a pornography addiction, um, and not a lot of women, you know, are are vocal about it, let's combine those two and how can I, you know, glorify the kingdom through what Satan like wanted to to use to tear me down.
0: Yeah, that's really good. And I think also it's a lot easier for us to talk about things after we're out of it too. You know, it's like, this is something I used to have an issue with. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I think that plays a part too, but I want to go back quickly to your childhood and I want you to tell me um, what did the sex talk consist of for you?
1: Yeah. Sex talk was, so my dad uh, was and is a pastor still. Um, And so I had an older brother. They had done the sex talk with him a few years prior. Um, And so first grade, which I've talked to a few people and they're like, that's pretty early. But I had a um, friend in first grade who just knew a lot about a lot. And so I would come home asking my parents like, what's French kissing? What's this? (laughs) And they're like, where are you learning this stuff? You are in first grade. Um, and so it just obviously this this girl at school kept bringing new ideas and new things. So I would come home and be like, mom, dad, what's this? And so it came to this point where my mom was like, okay, I, we got to have this this chat. So we sat down. Um, she had this book that it wasn't pictures. It was more um, like an animation, how to tell your kids book. Oh, cool. Um, but basically, I just remember being like, oh, wow, that's so interesting Um, and then I guess at the end of, I said, when was the last time you and dad did this? Um, and, (laughs) and so I was just like no to it. Um, so I think it was, it, I definitely had the sex talk. I have a lot of friends who never got it or didn't get it. And so, um, a lot of times that fueled their porn addiction of the, like, I, I just didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. Um, Whereas for me, I think what fueled the addiction was I, I did know and my parents and like we had a very open family. We talked about a lot. We, um, you know, we didn't hide things. We didn't, if I had a question, I, I would feel comfortable asking my parents. But then it got to this point in high school where all of my friends were having sex. And I, we watched porn one time kind of as a joke because the guys were talking about it and, I'm, and we're like, oh, okay, why do they watch this? So we watched it as a joke, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what turned it into me to be like, I'm curious. What's this? All my friends are having sex, mm-hmm. and I'm not, so I want to learn more. And that's where kind of my mm-hmm. curiosity came out of that.
0: And you know what? That that point right there, I want to learn more, that is where the church should be. <laughs> but it is not. Yeah. <laughs> that could have been easily a turning point for you to learn more in a safe environment, but you did not have that environment. Um, But Yeah. Okay, so why do you feel like this is such a like, why do why do you think people think that girls aren't watching pornography? Like, I just wonder. I don't know. Like, what do they assume about women? You know? know.
1: Well, and even still to this day, like it comes up where, you know, the other day I was at this leader meeting and um, one of the leaders you know, saying like kind of just rattling off things like, yeah, and guys struggling with porn. And I was like, girls too, girls too. (laughs) Like like, I just, (laughs) it's so this, I know, I literally like did that and they all laughed, but I was like, I'm serious. Like I don't want girls to experience what I went through in, you know, in high school where I didn't know any other girls watching it or no, none of the girls were talking about it. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, my dad even being the pastor from stage was saying, Hey, girls, who struggle or sorry, not girls. Um, guys, we've got a small group, you know, who's struggling with porn. Guys, get accountability partners. Mm. Men, we know you're struggling with porn. And I would be like, oh, my gosh, I have what – like I have a man issue. I have a I have a boy mm. sin. I have a boy struggle. And so – but knowing now we're – it's almost um, 50% of women are viewing porn regularly online. And it's just not talked about no. with women. Um, I think a big thing I've noticed is the way that women talk about body image. You know, we're like, oh, my gosh, my weight, my forehead, this, that. Mm-hmm. We're much more open with body image, um, whereas guys are not. And guys still struggle with body image. They just don't talk about it as much. There's a lot more shame um, wrapped up in body image for guys to talk about. You know, if they're talking about their weight or if they're talking about, um, you know, their hair or their receding hairline or whatever. Um there's just more shame in that. Um, whereas they're talking about porn all the time, but then women, when we're talking about porn, it's just this weighty shame, shame thing. Cause it's a preconceived, Oh, that's, this is a guy thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because they, they make it seem as though, you know, men are always sexualizing us as, is, is that what people make it seem like? But if we're mm-hmm. always being sexualized, then maybe we may have prone porn addiction, addictions too, you know, like, It kind of makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah, I just think that's so interesting. So, you said you started watching, you watched with your friends. Was it just like you watched that one time and then there was time in between, or just kind of snowballed from there?
1: It really was that one time, um, and I remember exactly what friend's house we were at, what room, where we were standing, and they were all, like, laughing at it, like, I can't believe guys watch this, and I remember just watching it being like, oh, my gosh, I – I don't know anything about this world. Mm. Um, And I had made – I had the purity ring. I wasn't having sex until marriage. So it was like, okay, well, if I'm not having sex – and I think that's when the enemy's lies just started coming in of like, okay, well, you're not having sex. So this is actually good for you to watch. This is educational. Your husband is going to love that you Mm. watch this and you learn these things. You, um, you know – it's a this is a less sin than actually having sex. So it's just all those lies coming in and then obviously how you feel when you watch porn, kind of that release, you're like, "Oh, well that felt good." And mm-hmm. now my brain knows the dopamine hit and now I want it. And now I'm at volleyball thinking about it, and mm-hmm. now I'm at, you know, church thinking about it and it's like just waiting for that next time you can get to a computer and and have that release, which is just such a cycle but it's so common um obviously in the world but in the the church world as well
0: yeah for sure um so what do you think usually would trigger your you um seeking it out because personally when I used to watch pornography um I think I it was like twenty. I don't know I'm not good with I was in the 11th grade and then I I stopped (laughs) when I was my sophomore, sophomore year of college Um, but for me, I just kind of was looking back because I have a, a counselor's thought process. I'm a therapist. So I'm like, why did I do that? And I think a lot of the time for me, it was because I was stressed or I felt out of control in other areas of my life. So I was like, I need some Mm -hmm. sort of release. Um, so what was your kind of trigger that caused you to do it?
1: Yeah, I think it was, um, I had like major, major people pleasing. Um, So I was Mm. pastor's kid, which had a – had a lot of weight to it. Um, My dad was a pastor of a big church and it was just a lot of eyes were on me at all times. Um, And then I was captain of my volleyball team. And then I was, you know, in the, I was the lead role in our school musical and I partied with my friends, but then I was singing at youth group on the singing team. So I kind of had all of these different personas that I'm, I'm trying to convince, I'm trying to convince all of these people um, like that version of Stacia. And so it, it was just really exhausting. And I remember just being exhausted and burnt out and tired. And obviously mm-hmm. with addiction um, or with, you know, wanting that vice or release, I'd get home and I'd be like, what's something that's going to make me feel good? What's something that's going to take this exhaustion away? What's something where I can be myself, you know, and not have to put up a front? And that would be, okay, let's get to the the house computer. Let's, you know, clear the tabs when I'm done. Let's make sure mom and dad aren't home. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course you get better and better and, and sneakier and sneakier at all of that stuff.
0: Yeah, and I think as well, you know, the whole aspect of sneaking around does something to your hormones as well kind of gives you this kind of oh, too, yeah. you know the adrenaline that, that you get from it too so it just like becomes literally like a drug um but yeah the reason I ask that is because I think it kind of humanizes it like I'm not just doing this because I am just addicted to sex like I am escaping this is a coping skill I'm using it is not healthy but it is a coping skill I'm, I'm using so I just want the listeners to understand like even if, yeah. if they're currently watching pornography or used to or trying to understand why people do it um, it's not just because we're addicted mm-hmm. to sex or we just, yeah, like need pleasure. It's because we're, a lot of the time it's escapism. escapism. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And so. I, I think, um, I mentor a lot of girls who are going through it and the most common, you know, situation they find themselves in before they go, you know, to get that dopamine hit is stress, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. stress with school or studies or, um a relationship strain, whether it's family drama, whether it's family trauma, um, just anytime that stress is there or, you know, loneliness is a big one, a lot of times people are like, oh, I'm lonely. I want to feel loved. I want to feel known. I wanna feel, you know, I want pleasure. My human flesh wants pleasure right Mm -hmm. now. Um, but I would say, yeah, stress and loneliness are two of the biggest ones that I see.
0: Yeah. And I think that that makes it a lot more easy more tangible to work with than just this is I just keep going to a computer screen. So, yeah. Um so who did you confide in when you first told someone and how did they respond to you?
1: Yeah, I first confided and like you were saying at the beginning it's so much easier to tell people once you're out of it. Mm-hmm. Um so nobody, not one person knew when I was in it. Um so that's why okay. when I mentor girls, I'm like please bring someone in. P- please have accountability. Like, yes, you have me as your mentor, your coach, but like get someone who's doing daily life with you. Um, and, you know, obviously it's so much easier for me to say because I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm just like, I'm telling you the only way I got out was like just on my knees crying and begging Jesus mm-hmm. and, and watching him firsthand you know, take me out. And it wasn't overnight and it wasn't easy. And I, you know, had to kind of wean myself off. I did this like little, like, okay, once a week. Okay. Once a month. Okay. You know, and obviously relapsed all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of had to work out this like system and game because I had no support. Um, but the first time I told someone, I was about a year, year and a half out of it um, where I hadn't viewed anymore. I was still like pretty triggered and pretty like, you know. My thought life was still very lustful and, um, you know, very distorted still.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it was a small group that I was in and I was sharing it and it was just constant tears. Like you couldn't even understand what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just like sob, cry talking. And they're like, Stacia, we love you, but we actually can't understand what you're <laughs> saying. So like, just let's slow down. Let's talk through this. And I'm like, <laughs> and so um, – they were very very grace filled and and awesome. gentle um and that's something you know r- that i really really focus on and something i'm always very upfront with sharing with people is the enemy loves telling you that if you tell someone they're going to think different of you and they're going to think you're gross and they're going to think you're weird and they're going to think ew you're a girl watching porn and it's just like constant like you can't tell anyone and that was even after i was out of out of the addiction, um, I was like, well, I'm not watching anymore. I don't need to tell anyone that I did that. Mm. Um, and I really felt the enemy just had such a hold on that still, even though I wasn't watching, it was like still our little secret. Mm. Um, and so that's when I really felt just the conviction of the Holy spirit being like, bring this to light, tell people about this. I know you're not watching anymore, but bring this out to the light. Um, and that's – you know what I did? The um, A few months later, I told my parents. I read a letter. Or I wrote a letter and I read it out loud to them, um, crying, sad, horrible. Like it it felt horrible um, saying it. I was just so sad and like scared of what they were going to think. And of like, of course, they were just like, oh, we love you so much. And, and we so wish we would have known. We so wish we could have helped you. And, you know, I did a, an interview with my dad where he – um, in the video is just like in, in conversations him and I have had too, where he's just like, you know, I'm kind of like mom and I were just embarrassed of ourselves. Like, how did we not know this was happening under our nose in our house? And I'm the pastor. Like I'm, I'm telling my congregation how to, you know, watch out for their kids in here in my house. Mm-hmm. Like we thought we were checking the history. We thought, you know, you were a good kid and which goes back to me fooling everyone. Um, but that's something that I really, really harp on is if you feel like, oh, if I tell this friend, they're going to think different of me. If I tell my parents, they're going to think I'm weird and gross and and they're not going to want to be friends with me. Um, that is so and such a lie from the enemy. And anytime I've ever – at this point, I've told I, thousands of people no. Mm-hmm. And not one time has someone been like, oh, that's weird. Or, mm-hmm. hey, I don't think we can be friends anymore. You know, it's it's – I mean, some people are like, oh, that's fine. That what, Whatever. You know, a lot of my friends who, who aren't Christians are like, oh, that's fine. No big deal. <laughs> well, I do it every like, Saturday.
0: Whatever. <laughs> that's a weekly yeah, thing. And
1: I'm like, well, we look at it a little different.
0: <laughs> um,
1: But nobody, not one person has ever been like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. And I think the enemy loves that lie. So I, I always just want to address that front on. Like if, if you're hearing that, please stop believing that. Please mm-hmm. bring that to the Lord and just – start to pray, Hey God, who do you want me to tell? Who do you want me to bring into this? Mm. Um, Because the enemy loves, loves when our secrets are, are hidden.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, that's really good. So I think too, like us just being, being safe and just feeling like, like what you just said, like, I know we may meet people who will respond negatively, you know, that might happen, but I want you to take Stacia's words and, and let her words wash over you and just take that as truth. Because you never know, some people do not respond well. But in my experience as well, people have just kind of been told me like, yeah, you know what, I did it too. And like, they'll tell me funny stories or like, it just opens up conversation for, I mean, everyone is sinning in different ways. So it just might Mm -hmm. actually create more intimacy in your relationship where you just feel safe with that person, they feel safe with you. And you guys can seek accountability in even other ways as well in your relationship. So Mm -hmm.
1: That's yeah, and I think okay. you're spot on with every time I've shared. Um, typically, you know, one to a handful of people will be like, "You, str- you watched, you struggled too." Oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. Well, me too. You know, it creates that immediate, uh, you know, relatability piece where maybe that one person was waiting to like, God, give me a sign to tell someone. God, uh, do you want anyone to know? Is this our, you know, Satan? Is this my secret with you? And the more that I am, you know, the whole thing, free people, free people or healed people, mm-hmm. heal people. Obviously it's Jesus and it's his words and it's his, um, his grace. But I think a lot of people are just looking for other people to be vulnerable and people can meet Jesus through that. People can meet their healing
0: through your vulnerability. That's really good. Good stuff. Yes. And, and, as you're saying like, Oh, I didn't tell anyone until after I literally didn't tell anyone until I did uh, one of the episodes <laughs> on this podcast, literally. Now oh the world knows. So, um, well, I, I did a recent a, a past episode with men and I just wanted to hear it from a, a female's perspective, just so, um, just girls can feel comfortable having this conversation to hear it from another girl. So, um, yeah, I'm glad to have you on, but I wanted to talk about some statistics I found as well. Um, I saw this research that said like one in five youth pastors and one in seven senior pastors currently struggle with porn usage. And I was like, wow, Wow. the leaders of churches are experiencing this. Um, and then it said Mm -hmm. only 7% of pastors in the study said that their churches had a ministry program for people struggling with pornography. Um, so I just want to know, like, how do you feel like the church can make room for conversations around sexual sin? Yeah, I think
1: ugh, sexual sin is so big and it's so much more than just pornography. I think a lot of people are like, "Well, I don't watch porn, so I don't struggle with sexual sin." Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, if you have a crush on someone and you're fantasizing about them, I would say that's lustful thinking it sure and is. that's that's taking them into your fantasy world. Um, you know, and whether you're undressing them or, you know, whatever you're imagining with them is like that is so not the mind of Christ and sexual sin is so much we have our, our brains are crazy so of course we have so much uh, easy access to sexual sin and i um, i do hope and i do believe that that churches are taking strides towards it just as it is becoming more of a conversation and um, i hope a little bit of the shame is starting to leave with it just from it being mm, a taboo topic to, wow, we need to address this to get church health,
0: mm. to
1: get um, human health. Um, I would love programs like uh, pastoral care programs where these pastors are are getting mentorship, where these pastors are, you know, of course they have their weekly, you know, leadership meetings or, or whatnot, but once a month if they had a a one-on-one counseling session with, hey, how are you spiritually? How are you emotionally? How is your thought life? How are, you know, just like really checking in on the pastors one-on-one. And I know a lot of churches do do that um, and they do it really well, especially when um, I love when I know that a pastoral team has like a a pastor for the pastors. Mm. I think that's so important. I think pastors are continually, you know, pouring out. I even... Saw that with my dad, where um, he was a great dad. He is a great dad, um, but there's you got to do a lot as a pastor. You are you are being pulled in a million different directions, and a lot of them, you know, get burnt out because they're not being poured into. And I think with burnout comes stress and exhaustion, and you know, wanting that that quick release, wanting that vice. Um, I think m- another piece that the church could make room for it is. Um, People, I don't remember the exact stat, but um, it's like 80% of people being introduced to pornography starts at 11 years old. Mm. And so a lot of times you're like, oh, we talk about it in the young adults group. And I'm like... We got to talk about it younger. Yeah. Um, and so I've been invited to speak at some youth groups. I've done some junior highs and obviously, you know, my junior high chat is different than my high school chat. My high school chat is different than like a, a Sunday morning, um, you know, uh, adult service chat. Um, just because, you, you know, people are at different stages and they do need to hear it in different ways. And some details need to be left out or in for the the age. But um The church that I spoke at, one of the churches I spoke at for the junior high, I was so impressed with what they did. They sent an email out like a month before saying, Hey, this date, we're having this girl. Here's a bunch about her. Come and speak to your kids about pornography. And, Mm. you know, they gave a ton of stats about it. And they're, they're basically saying, This is happening. This is a statistic that we. Are addressing, and we don't want the kids learning about this at school. We really would want them to learn about it at home and at the church. And here's some resources. Here's some talking points. Um, we would love if you would send your kid this Wednesday or whatever the date was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if not, this is your heads up to not let them come that week. But um, we really want to go after this, and, and we hope that you trust us to to just really shepherd your children. And I was like, oh, my Yeah, God.
0: that's the dream.
1: In every church do this? <laughs> right. So it was just really special to see like how much they – they're like, yeah, we had sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. We might have even had some fifth graders where it's like this is bold to approach. This is bold. It, it seems young, but facts don't lie and stats don't lie. And if they're being introduced to it at 11, why isn't the church having the conversation? Why right. are we letting the public school manage the conversation?
0: Yeah. And not even, because a lot of public schools, it's not even, (laughs) they're not even doing it either. They're just talking about periods and and keeping it moving. (laughs) um, Right.
1: Yeah. It's mainly the kids in the, like, in the, in the, um. Hallways and at their lockers talking about it.
0: Exactly. And I just wonder why. I think honestly, it comes down to parents just being scared because I think parents know, just looking at their own childhood, that they were talking about it too at a young age. So it can't really be all oh, they can't, they're not talking about it. I think it's really fear at the end of the day. Like, uh, and I did some research on it when I was in my master's. Like, a lot of parents don't know what to say or how to say it. So I think that opportunity you just talked about is like perfect for churches to do just to offer that for parents alone or. Yeah or their kids alone as well. I mean, they could all go together too. <laughs> There's so many different options. Right. So yeah, good stuff. So can you tell the people a little about, a little bit about storm and armor?
1: Yes. Storm and armor, um, is a, it was kind of just like a landing page for people to go to. People would reach out and be like, Hey, how can I get some info about, you know, just resources or, um, you know, videos to share with our youth group or, you know, stats and facts Mm -hmm. and all of that. And so that was, it started kind of off as that landing page. Um, I have an Instagram and I would say that's pretty, you know, widely used with people just reaching out, DMing, um, asking questions. A lot of people, that's like their first step to accountability because I'm a stranger. So it's a little bit easier that way at first. Um, Them just reaching out and being like, I haven't told anyone I'm really scared to tell someone and it's, it's more that not anonymous cause I can see their Instagram and they can see mine, but you know, I live in San Diego and they live in Kansas city. So, um, it doesn't seem as intimate. It doesn't seem as vulnerable, but it is a step kind of in that direction. So I, I love when I get those just to help encourage, you know, that next step in accountability. Um, I do, online, um, like mentoring. We do a a zoom mentor, uh, girls group where it's a bunch of girls who are going through, um, the addiction, which I'm so proud of them every week they, they get on and, you know, it's all different sexual sins. So, um, pornography, masturbation, lustful thinking, um, and they all struggle with different things in different ways and they relapse at different times. But just kind of having that accountability group has been so, um, so cool just to watch them walk through it. And I'm always like, you guys are braver than I was. Like yeah. nobody knew I was in it. And you are here on this accountability group. You know, it's kind of like AA for <laughs> for sexual sin. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's really cool. And then um, – I'm thinking this fall is when it will be done, but I'm going to be launching an online course. Oh, so, cool. um, you could pay and sign up for it and kind of do it at your own time where there's videos and worksheets and things to think through and read through and pray through. Um, and then hopefully some sort of accountability group
0: piece to it. Really cool. Good stuff, guys. So definitely I'll put that information in the description for sure. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the other thing I was going to talk about too. I think at the end of the day, you need accountability. And I think that's just as a human yeah. being <laughs> in general, you yeah. need accountability. And I think it is really brave to talk about it at the time that you're struggling with it, because I told no one <laughs> because I was so mm-hmm. like, I don't know if I'd say ashamed. It just was like, yeah, I think it was shame. I, I don't want anyone to know that I'm doing this. So, um, right it is so brave. And I think the Lord is really proud of you guys for, you know, seeking accountability when you're in the midst of it. So mm-hmm. um, the next thing I want to talk about was coping skills, because you thought you, you talked about a really good one that the guys actually talked about as well that I also used where it's like, you kind of taper yourself off. You don't just say like, you never do it again. Today's the last day. Um, but it's just like, you know, I'm going to try to just slowly wean myself off. So um, I mm-hmm. think, just for any listeners who are trying to just start somewhere, just start there. You don't have to tell yourself like yeah. you have to stop today or, or God will hate you for the rest of your life. Like just yeah. if you, if you go from seven days a week to six days, like give yourself some credit for that. Um, mm-hmm. But are there any other coping skills? No, like- or make just,
1: yeah, I was just going to say making small goals. Um, I think as, human beings, we like celebrations and we like hitting goals. Our mind naturally wants to solve things. So A plus B Mm -hmm. equals C. Um, If I can make it three days, that's complete. You know, like really allowing our mind to do the full cycle of completing something. Um, So just setting like little goals for yourself and then celebrating those little goals. And they can be free. You know, you can celebrate these goals free. I always tell my girls of like, if that means you get to – You know, go for a walk at your favorite location, or, you know, hey, okay, three days. I'm not going to watch porn for three days. Um, If that means you get to go buy a LaCroix, if that means, you know, like things so small and, you know, next to free, or, um, hey, Get your accountability and have them um, write you a love letter if you make five days, or like a, mm, a, a note of encouragement if you make one week. So just little things like that, and then it's like, whoa, you hit five days. Okay, awesome. Um, all right, today is April sixth. Let's do. We think we can make it until April sixteenth. That's ten days, and so just like building up that muscle, and again, um, to get a little sciency with with dopamine hits and with addiction and, um, specifically, you know, porn or masturbation, anything, any addiction, um, your brain has these carved out routes. So it knows as soon as you say, Hey, this is what I want. And I know how to get that dopamine hit. Um, you pretty much go into autopilot until you get that dopamine hit. Mm -hmm. And so the more we flex that muscle of waiting or resisting, um, the stronger, you know, the, um, it's kind of like a, a trail, you know, it starts overgrowing with, um, you know, it starts getting, it's not a, a straight walking path now. Now flowers are blooming. The grass is getting longer, um, cause we're not walking down it as much. So it's making that route pattern in your brain, um, less evident. Um, so you're, it's, it's not as strong. The desires become less. The, yeah. um, the temptation becomes less.
0: Yeah, and I think you you just painted them a beautiful picture of, like, neural pathways and, like, not keeping that same habit, like, allowing the brush and everything to grow up in that space because you haven't con- gone back down that path again. So as you see the little yeah. things... And are other
1: ways to get... Go ahead. Yeah, and there's other ways to get dopamine hits. I'm always like, hey, you want to watch or you want to do it? Let's go, go find a friend and give him a hug.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: want a dopamine hit? Okay, let's... Um, Let's get down on the ground and do ten push-ups. Like there's other ways to get dopamine hits or sure. distract your mind and uh, getting it away from what you know
0: the neural pathway wants and mm-hmm. needs. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, yes, and I actually did some different episodes on on those kinds of things too. I did an episode um, on the importance of knowing your body um, lust versus libido and also how being touch starved can have an effect on your sexuality. I think a lot, a lot of this comes down to being touch starved. So if you guys want to listen to those episodes, that might be helpful to just kind of tie into this as well. But is there anything you want to leave the people with if there's, if they don't remember anything else from this episode, what do you want the people to remember?
1: Yeah, I would say, um, you are not alone. I think so often in addiction, especially sexual addictions, um, isolation is dripped all over them. You know, alcohol is social. Alcoholism, um,
0: Mm.
1: drug addiction, those are typically social. Those are seen. You're with people. Um, Pornography, masturbation, a lot of these are done in isolation, um, which the enemy loves. Mm. And you think you're all alone. You think, um, you know, nobody else is struggling with this. Um, so many people are struggling with this, and so many people are looking and needing accountability. So, um, the more open and you know vulnerable and accountability seeking you are, um, I think it, you are going to find it, you know, quicker or easier than than you are than you think you will. Um, also, I think a lot of times we get hung up on oh God. God will love me when I'm good or when I get clean or when I'm done with this addiction. Um, And that's not how he works. God, you know, doesn't love you when you get good or when you are good. God loves you because he is good. And he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. So wherever you're at, um, whether you watch every single day 20 times a day or you're walking out of this addiction and you keep relapsing or you're 10 years out, Jesus loves you the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow.
0: Yeah. And you know, if y'all need to hear that 70, I might need to play that back just to me. <laughs> that <laughs> last part. That's beautiful. Oh man, that's good. Um awesome. So, yes, where do you is there anywhere you want the people to find you on the gram and anywhere that you're doing the funny stuff?
1: <laughs> the funny stuff. <laughs> um yeah, you can do just the um yeah, Instagram storm and armor. Okay. So, storm like a tornado. And spelt out an armor, like the armor of God.
0: Hallelujah. And I just remembered <laughs> that you are also who Mel was talking about for the, for the listeners, who Mel was talking about in the episode about If You Know You Know Dating, you were the one that she met at that, what was it? What kind of party was it? Vision board party. Yes. The vision board party. Yeah. Yes. So she's the second part to If You Know You Know.
1: Yes. And Mel is crushing it. She's taking it like all over the country. right? I know. I'm like, you go girl. So. (laughs) And
0: TikTok is like. It's
1: a woman boss.
0: Yes. TikTok really just will blow everything up. So. Seriously. Good stuff. She's crushing it. Yeah. I mean, good stuff. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Of course. So thank glad you, you so much on. for having me and talking about porn. I mean, <laughs> anytime. Come on back whenever you want to. <laughs> um, so as love you it. guys know, you can follow the parallel at the parallel pod on Instagram and on TikTok. Um, thank you guys for listening and rate when you can. Remember to speak the truth in and love. And kiss the sun. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.